Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Forecast is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of Forecast is brought to you by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies. Stream to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail and about a business day. For your free 30-day trial, go to Netflix.com slash twit. What sort of future do you think we're heading for? How will we live as we slip into the 21st century? Welcome to Forecast, episode 75. I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm Scott Johnson. Holy cow, Tom. 75 episodes. What the what? We're getting close to 100. Yeah. Then we have to start doing past cast. Should we do something special for 100? I mean, this is probably not the place to plan that, but it feels like we should. I don't know what I predict be. we will. <laughs> uh, joining us today, though, to uh, get us through our 75th episode. you got to take it one step at a time before we get to 100. Aaron Newcomb, producer and host of The Source Show and also co-host of Floss Weekly right here on the Twit Network. Also a uh, employee of Oracle. That's right. Were you a Sun employee that came to Oracle? I was. Okay. I was yeah. a Sun employee and now an uh, Oracle employee. So, no. yes, I stayed through the transition. But uh, no, I'm glad to be here. Thanks and for uh, it's it's nice to be able to have enough chairs for both of us. I, I know. I've often kicked you out of a chair coming in to uh, <laughs> fill in for, for Leo on security now. Yeah, so. when Tom was on, or when Tom was on, when Leo was on vacation, Tom was filling in obviously a lot. And uh, I would be doing Floss Weekly, and then he would come in and be, get out, get out. We got we to gotta start the next show. <laughs> you know, like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to start on time. What's your problem, man? <laughs> yeah, right. This is the cottage, isn't it? Also joining us, Mary Varn, New York-based animator, digital effects artist, and cartoonist, creator of NPC, a comic strip about life as a geeky gamer girl. Welcome, Mary. Hi. Thank you. It's great to be here. I know uh, you and Scott talked earlier today on his show, The Morning Streams. Are you sick of him yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the first time I got to talk to Scott, and I'm a huge fan, so it was great. And it's just a freak coincidence that... I ended up on the show tonight, so I'm I'm super psyched. So we yeah, have it's weird. It's weird timing. I feel like we need to take advantage of this somehow. I don't know what that means or what what this all means, but it's very interesting that we happened to talk to you this morning, and bam, here you are again. Well, I just promoted yes. the morning stream. Did you talk about her being on forecast this morning on your show? No, because we didn't know about it yet. <laughs> all all we knew is that she is an awesome cartoonist, one of the nicest people in web cartooning today, and that she has a better diet than I do. And that's all, that's about as far as we took it. <laughs> well, uh, then I, I strike it from the record. I'm not going to mention your show again. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, great to have both of you with us today. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us. And uh, we've got a prediction from a listener to kick us off. Ken wrote in and said, hey, Scott and Tom, regarding copyright, after listening to the last podcast and also hearing Neelai Patel's thoughts on a previous Tech News Today, I think copyright law will eventually turn into right to access. Imagine an internet profile that tracks all the things you have legally bought and paid for. If you were to watch a YouTube video featuring a Disney clip that you didn't have legal access to, you would get a message informing you so with a link to where you can purchase this right. Of course, this poses other problems, but everyone will worry about those later. <laughs> I don't think this will happen because I don't think we'll allow it to happen, but I think it could easily happen if we let it. Mm -hmm. So yep. you see this as a terrible, terrible thing. Well, maybe you're not saying it's a terrible, terrible thing, but I see it as kind of a bad thing because I don't like the idea that, okay, the idea that every mainstream movie, let's say my ability to watch Avatar, 
would be tagged as something I either have the right to see or I don't. I get that and I see how that could make sense. But I don't want to be, what will happen in that scenario is everything will get nickel and dime. So every little YouTube clip, I want to see a dog riding a skateboard. It's going to have to check to see if I have ownership to do that. And if I don't, I can't see it. And then I have to go pay to do that. And then, then things get crazy and everybody will charge for some of the stuff that is open and free and, and, and the challenges are, you know, our, our ability to make content online. And I think that's, that's bad. None of that's good. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've often thought this, you know, the right now, without going off on a terrible tangent, I mean, the media industry really has a stranglehold on everybody because they say, well, you bought a, a piece of media, be it a, a CD or something, and that doesn't give you the, the right to do whatever you want with the music. I get that. It just gives you the right to listen to music. But then if I lose the CD, I've got to go buy another one so that I can get the music back. I should be able to go download that free of charge because... As you said in your license, I have the right to listen to that music by, by purchasing that CD. So Right. If so, I'm not so going to own the thing, I should own the license. Right. And you're saying so, I don't own either. Right. Exactly. So that scenario works for things like cloud music, you know, cloud-based music and stuff. And mm -hmm. we, you know, Apple's rumored to be talking about this at the conference coming up, and we may hear it from Amazon and Google and others are planning things like this. I think when you take special cases like this, totally works. I'm all for it. I love the idea of my music being in the cloud and being able to get a hold of an album, whether I have it with me or not whether I've lost it or not, that, that stuff seems pretty cool. I just feel like it's that slippery slope thing where they start going, you know, every single thing, that image on this website, you haven't paid the 10 cents we need from you to view it. So go to this other place and pay that and then just microtransact me to death before I can view the internet as a whole. That, that concerns me just a little bit. Yeah, yeah this kind of gets into my medium-term prediction, so I don't want to... Oh, yeah. I don't okay. want to talk about this too much, but yeah. uh, don't no spoilers. <laughs> well, Mary, Mary, you make a comic, and much like I do, and you you want people to look at it every day. How do you feel about a possible future where people would have to have the right to see it, and by right that would mean they have they have to sort of own the rights uh, to see it? How does that sit with you? Yeah, I don't like that. I mean, they already have the right to see it because I I give them the right. I publish it online for free, so. Um, so they can see it that way. But I think that, yeah, I think if that happened, people, I would be afraid to go on the internet and, and look at videos and comics because I would be worried that I would get a bill or, you know, one of these. <laughs> we right. noticed, it'd be like Clippy. We noticed you're looking at this. <laughs> a bill has been charged to your credit card. Yeah, and then I think Ooh. that would hurt my comic because I think people, I think other people would be afraid to, to look at things. So they, I think it would hurt any kind of independent um, media like You know, that. somebody in the chat room was just saying uh, that, you know, why should anything be free? Why, why, do, why do things have to be free? And, the, and, the, and I think that is the problem, is that we're approaching this whole issue with that question, uh, which is why we get people trying all kinds of digital locks, and that's why I don't think what Ken's saying will happen, is because digital locks are broken to begin with. In an infinitely copyable medium, it's impossible to lock this stuff down. And I don't think it's a question of why should things be free. I think you have to come to it with the realization that this is an ecosystem or, or a system that has things that are available for free. It's, it's like saying, well, why should driving on the road be free? Let's make all roads toll. Well, you can. Uh, and it's, in fact, easier to make all roads toll roads than it would be to make uh, the Internet locked up digitally so that you had to pay for everything you looked at. Uh, but it's, it goes against the way the system is meant to work. And I think we're more creative than that. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's, that's a very simple-minded way of looking at it, saying let's replicate the, the problems of the past. Uh, and 
And I think also Mary is is probably uh, emblematic of this in her response. She's when you said, you know, I I, I want my comic to be free because I want people to look at it. And I, and I think more people are going to grow up with that attitude. And that combined with the psychology of the matter that says, if I'm not depriving something, someone of something, I find it a lot harder to be against it. Uh, when, when people are like, it's just like stealing. You wouldn't take someone's car, would you? Don't download illegal files. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's, that you should download illegal files, but it isn't the same psychologically. And trying to approach it and force people to think of it the same way isn't going to work. Right. Yeah. right. I always think about it, uh, too, like in terms of a live event. Um, I think people have this so wrong. I was just at a live event the other night, and they're like, you know, they, they, the public announcer comes on, and he's like, please turn off all of your cameras and everything because we don't want you to be taking, you know, personal video of this because it's blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know what? If I was running a live event, I would be, please get out your cameras right now. Turn off the flash, of course. We don't yeah. want any accidents. But take as much video as you can, and please, when you get home, put it on YouTube. You know, share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. Think about how many. I mean, you would sell out so much more as a, as a live performance um, if you had that type of, it's like your own advertising agency sitting in the audience, and people aren't taking advantage of it. It's, it's kind of crazy. All right, let's move on to our short-term predictions. Uh, these are things we think will happen sooner rather than later, uh, maybe even in the next few years. And, Mary, we'll start with you. When you look into your short-term crystal ball, what do you see? Well, um, so I'm an animator, and I've, I work on TV shows now and then. Um, I think that the I think in five years, I think that the idea of blocking shows into 30-minute and one-hour segments will be dead. I think that... Um, shows like i don't know about existing shows but new shows new shows like sitcoms um like whatever the new 30 rock is sometimes it'll be 20 minutes sometimes it'll be 40 minutes kind of like podcasts like this because i think everything will be um on demand so um so they won't need to uh to structure things that way and then you have the different advertising models of um you know, you don't have to block out the three-minute segments. And, uh, and I think it'll confuse people in the entertainment industry. Um, and, uh, and, and people will just adapt and figure it out. I think that's interesting because, like, what you're describing is essentially what movies is, have decided to stick with, which is generally there's a two-hour film, but a lot of times it's an hour and 37 minutes. A lot of times it's an hour and 12 minutes. Sometimes it's four and a half hours, depending on the, the scope of the film. Depending on if James Cameron is involved. Right, exactly. If he's involved, yeah. plan on a little more time. Uh, same with Peter Jackson. And if, you're, if, you were, if you were to place those same kind of restrictions on them, and again, they're not, like you say, they're not dealing with the, the restrictions of network TV where it's based on an advertising model where ads run at a certain interval and they have to be so long and, and really your show is only 40 minutes and the rest is made up in, you know, in, in, uh, in ads and 15 minutes of ads or so. Um, as that changes or goes away, it, I, I agree that we'll see that go away. But I think what will happen probably is people are still pretty comfortable with about an hour uh, for, a, say, a drama. Yeah. I think that feels right. But I think what we'll end up getting is an actual hour of the drama and the advertising will either come in a different way or there'll be another model that'll come in. Um, I do like, and you mentioned this about podcasting, I do like in podcasting that if I need to go over, I can. I don't have to, you know, answer to the man about how tightly scheduled my show is. I can be a Hurry little bit up, Scott. Loose. We're, we're running a little long. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. I felt it coming. It was weird. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm all for this idea that we, 
that we get away from those because they can be restrictions uh, sometimes. And sometimes when they break those rules, it's just this big, stupid media event like, oh, the office is going to go extra six minutes tonight. And that's no big deal. What I want to see is them break those bonds a little bit and do what the creative mind tells them to do and forget about convention. Yeah, I, think yeah, I mean, TV is the only um, the only thing that's like this because, you know, novels like the Harry Potter novels, they're not always a certain um, a certain number of pages, uh, you know, web shows like The Guild or something, you know, it's always different. Movies are always slightly different podcasts, all these things. But it's only TV because we have this system of, you know, starts at eight. People are watching when they eat dinner and everything and there's the commercials and everything. So that's the only system I can think of for entertainment where everything has to be, you know, either fit in this 30 minute chunk with a certain amount of ads or an hour with a certain amount of ads. Yeah. Well, it's appointment viewing, right? You want to, you want to be able to tell people your show is on Thursdays at eight o'clock. So everything has to fit into that template. Mm -hmm. uh, when you bust out of that and say, you can watch the show whenever you damn well want, then you don't, you're, you're freed from that restriction. Right. And I think things like boxy, um, and other systems are starting to get us away from that. Uh, you know, Boxy has, you know, their concept of their, of their apps, but really their channels. Um, and so, you know, you go on there, you subscribe to a podcast or whatever, and when it comes out, it, it pops up, hey, there's a new episode, and you go watch it, and, or maybe you see in a stream that your friends are watching a new episode of such and such, and you just go watch it. I mean, it's one, it, it is nice to have something scheduled. Sports probably would be a good thing to stay scheduled. But I think, you know, the fact that it comes out when it comes out, I think is fine. Um, you know, and, and I know with me, with my media, I don't, uh, my shows, the last show I did was, I think, uh, about 40 minutes long because I had a lot of interviews and stuff from a conference. And then the one before that, I was at Mini Maker Fair, East Bay Mini Maker Fair, and it was like 15, 12, 15 minutes long. And I don't, I don't at all tie myself to any of those conventions and I don't have advertising. So that, that helps. You know, I don't have to worry about that part of it either. So. Yeah, it's interesting. It's both radio and TV are in these restrictions right now, and I, I would like to see a change there. But you can't underestimate the impact of TiVo and then subsequent yeah. DVR systems. That kind of changed the way we saw this, because it used to be if you had to see your show at 8, you had to be there at 8. Now, sometimes we still want that. Like, Tom, I know you were dead set on being there for the premiere of Doctor Who this season, and you wouldn't have waited. You know, like, that's not something you go, hey, I'll TiVo it and see it tomorrow. That was an event thing in your you know in your world and you had to see it that's i think that's always still sort of going to be with us but it would be nice that on the tail end of it they don't have to kind of wrap things up and i think i just i think if you give them more freedom someone gets an extra 15 minutes to tell their their story then we'll get a truer sense of the vision of the person who wrote it rather than the vision of the person who wrote it and then crunched and edited out a few scenes to make sure we fit it in an hour. Although you don't have that natural limit on you, right? I mean, it, Twitter is, is kind of cool because it limits you to 140 characters and you have to fit within that parameter. Uh, and there's something to be said to say, okay, you've only got 30 minutes to tell the story or you've only got 60 minutes. Whereas if you've got the freedom to tell the story in whatever length you want, you also have the freedom to go on as long as you want. But you don't so, because you have budgets. So, yeah, so there are other constraints besides time. That's right. True. And yeah. in, the, in the movie world, in yeah, and in the movie world too. I mean, there are some movies that we all know are were just too long, right? I mean, the the Lord of the Rings, the last one. I mean, they really needed to cut that down. I'm sorry, it's my favorite book ever, but I still think they needed to cut that last one down. So, there See, are I like the are, extended version, but the uh, <laughs> but you know, I like it for the content, you know. And as a geek, I like it. But I'm yeah. like, you know what? I I can see that three people over there are falling asleep. You know, I mean, it's just like. 
you know, something you're still gonna have to edit for time, and, and because you're just going on and on and on and on. Oh my gosh, in King Kong, I had to pee so bad, I, it was almost a <laughs> medical emergency, and I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay and watch the thing, but yeah, yeah, three three and a half hours is too much. So yeah, there's this there's this natural thing where we got to figure out: do we go back to intermissions, like you know, in the twenties and stuff? That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, you know, there's one more thing. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, too, because I was watching um, The Twilight Zone, which just came out on Netflix. You can watch, you can stream um, uh, Twilight Zone now on Netflix. And those shows were 25 minutes long, not 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. It was a half-hour show, but they were 25 minutes long. And I'm like, I think this is why I like the this, the old version, the original series, better than the one, the reinvented one that came out in the 80s because they had that five extra minutes and they were able to, to wrap the story up a little they bit. They made better. good use of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And instead you see, uh, you see shows like Lost or Stargate Universe going to a title card instead of a, t a title sequence exactly. to steal back a few more minutes. Yep. If you look at any HBO show, they always have these amazing title sequences because mm -hmm. they can. They have the time. They don't, they don't have any ads. Survivor's like that too. Survivor has a real quick title sequence now. Now, Mary, what do you think about, I, and, and this is particular to, to Twit's live stream, uh, if you want to have sort of a, a live stream where people know when to expect stuff, for, for instance, we run into this here. Part of me wants to start Tech News Today at 2.30, and, and it doesn't always because Leo's running long on, on the show previously. Part of me thinks, like, we really need to button down and we need to get better at this, and Leo agrees. But then part of it, I, I know Leo thinks the other way as well, and, and I do as, too, which is, you know, if his show is, is good, it should be able to run long, and I'll just start a little later. But then that inconveniences my audience and, and my guests. And do you think we'll, we'll end up with a hybrid where, you know, live things still have to fit to a schedule or, or will audiences come to know like, you know what, if it doesn't start on time, that's fine. Um, yeah, I think, I think that live things probably will still have some sort of schedule. I mean, sports and, and podcasts like these, but, um, but you know, something like, like the Doctor Who premiere or Game of Thrones, um, I think what they'll probably do is just make it available on demand at that time mm -hmm. that we're used to, like say prime time on a Sunday night, they'll just make it available then. It'll still be on demand though. It won't just show, but yeah, I, I do think that, that live things um, like this will still sort of have some kind of format. But I mean, is this, this show isn't always the same amount of time, right? Sometimes it's right. like an hour, sometimes maybe 45 minutes. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, it, you're right. It, it uh, definitely varies. And, and we try to schedule our shows so they have enough buffer zone around them that, you know, the, the, for instance, Tech News Today starts at 2.30. Uh, it ends at 3.30 or, you know, roughly it has that slot. And then we don't start forecast until 4 so that there is a little, you know, if Tech News Today runs long, forecast can still start on time. And likewise, forecast is only supposed to be 30 to 45 minutes, actually more like 45 minutes. But if it goes to an hour, because we're having a good time, having a good conversation, that's great. You know, it's, it's, it's not an issue. We build in a little buffer. So I, I think this is a great prediction. I, I, really, I really like this one. Uh, and I, I totally agree. I think, I think the formats are going to loosen up. I, I read an article about multi-platform production as a big buzzword in Hollywood now, where they're coming up with different storylines products based on the platform they're going to produce it for mm -hmm. and they're all complementary to each other so i think i think we're seeing it already let's move over to you aaron short-term prediction uh things you think will happen sooner than right later what do you got right so this one's a uh, this one's a softball it's, it probably has been brought up on this um on the show before but i'm going to throw it out anyway which is uh android tablets will take over the apple market share by the end of the year 
So by very the end of the time, year, by the end of the year, ah. there will be more Android tablets sold uh, than there are than there will be uh, uh, Apple iPads. What wow. tablet is going to power that? It's, so it's a combination, right? So it's a combination of all of them. Okay. Uh, we're going to be seeing these high-end ones like the Zoom, right? That's already out. Eh, maybe not doing as well as they hoped, but I think that's partly the price point. So what's going to happen is the price point um, of the tablets, the Android tablets, will start coming down. Um, and it's up to Apple whether or not they shift the price point of their tablets. But, but the price point of the, uh, of the tablets in general are going to come down. Um, and I think that you're also going to be, the market's going to be flooded, especially around Christmas time. Uh, probably start seeing this in October, November with really cheap tablets. So really, really cheap tablets that people are going to want to buy for their kids for Christmas or whatever. The market's going to be flooded with those, and they're all going to be running Android because they can. Um, and so I think by the end of the year, um, uh, the price will come down. People are going to start buying them. People that have either been holding off or maybe they've got a first-generation iPad and there's something new out that they want to get their hands on, but they don't necessarily want to go to iPad 2. Um, and so they're going to start eating these things up. And, and uh, I think by the end of the year, it's going to happen. So <clears throat> this is interesting because I would have agreed with you um, probably right around end of year last year when we started hearing about all the new Android tablets that would be coming. And, we, and, it, and it, it goes to say, I suppose, in, in logic that perhaps it would follow the same pattern that they did with the phones. And the Android phones, you know, on, on the whole have, have, have done that thing you're talking about uh, in the phone market and the handheld market. But I don't know anymore about the tablets at this stage they keep coming out and they're high profile and they're ones people are excited about and then they kind of just sort of peter out. And I'm not, I'm not anti-Android. I'm not pro-Apple. I, I have an iPad too and I love it, but I don't, I, and, I, and I really did think this would be an uphill battle for, for Apple this year. I don't know anymore. They're selling these things hand over fist like crazy and the other stuff's starting to look kind of, I don't know, average and not great. And if they don't, it, I'm not saying in the long run they couldn't do this, but by the end of the year, that seems really hard to me. Yeah, well, I would have agreed with you on that. Um, I was expecting a lot more out of the Apple iPad 2 um, than, than, it, than it was. I was expecting some new revolutionary thing, and it wasn't. It was just a generation-type, uh, incremental-type improvement over the first one. It's so, um, But it's a lot thinner. It, it is thinner, that's right. And it has yes. cameras. Yes, percentage-wise, it's, it's, it's dramatically thinner. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but, but the thing is, is that, you know, um, uh, if there was some sort of technology gap introduced by Apple with the iPad 2 where all the other vendors still had to catch up again, right? Because they're, they're in catch-up mode right now anyway. And if they had to catch up again and scrap the plans that they already had for all their tablets, I would agree with you. But I think all the plans that they have for the tablets um, that are going to be coming out are all still valid. They're all still going to be wanted. They're all still going to be... Um, on an equal footing pretty much with the Apple iPad 2. So I think they have a really good chance of taking off. And just the fact that there's going to be so many more vendors and not just Apple putting them out, I think we're going to see exactly the same thing we saw with, um, uh, with the phone market. You know, it, when I had a G1, and I'll tell you, when the G1 first came out, I, I got it right away. And, and as a technology enthusiast, I was really excited about it. But I was like, eh, it's definitely not an iPhone, you know. And then all of a sudden, we saw all these cool, all these cool Android devices, uh, 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 cell phone devices come out. And it just took off. It just exploded. So I think we're going to see the same thing in the tablet market. Mary, I saw you kind of nodding your head when Scott was talking about the iPad. Do you, do you, do you, think, it's a, do you think Aaron's right on this one, or do you think it's going to take a little longer? I I think it'll take longer than a year maybe, but um, I have an iPad and I love it. Um, I didn't pay for it though; I won it, which was awesome. 
Um, I think it all depends on the price of the Android tablets. Mm -hmm. I think the iPad is still really expensive. I mean, maybe it's not for what it is, but I think for the average consumer, I just think it's so expensive. And I think if the Android tablets can um, beat it out in price consistently, then I think that that they may eventually overtake the iPad um, sooner rather than later. But I don't know about the end of the year. The, you know, the next 20, it feels like 2012. Are, it feels like 2012 is the year of, the, of, of competing tablets. But that's also the year that maybe whatever Apple's been holding back on, I don't know, retina displays or whatever the crap they're holding on to because they always do, that may be the year they pull that out. Because I feel like they're confident that this is the year where they don't get overtaken. And it's 2012 where the blood gets spilled. And I can see Android making huge inroads by then. And, and certainly that involves a lot of latter half of, of 2011, you know, with a lot of buildup and a lot of success during the holiday season for Android. So I, I kind of have no doubt that by 2012, it'll be an Android market. It'll be like it is with the phones. The, the iPhone will continue to sell gangbusters, but there'll be tons of other alternatives out there. And I see this as nothing but good for the, for the industry as a whole. It's just a matter of timing how quickly they can do it. 2008, I predicted that Android would outsell iOS uh, or iPhones by the end of 2009. That was like two <laughs> years too early. So I, I, I know, I, I know that logic where it's like, no, you know, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good product coming out. There's a lot of SKUs. Yep. You know, the prices are better. People are going to see the options. Uh, so you, you, you may be more accurate than me. And I, and I think even if you're not right. This year, you're definitely going to be right by the end of next year, uh, just because of the numbers. But Barnes & Noble Nook Color, you count that as an Android tablet, that's only $249. It's now got Froyo, right. not the Android marketplace on it. It's a limited app store, but you could see more variations like that, and yeah. that, could tip you, that could tip it over the top. That's, and that's, I think that's going to be the tipping point, like I said, is the cheap ones that come out in October, November timeframe. And so we won't really know until this time next year whether I was right or not. Um, because it'll be it'll take a long time to count all those sales around Christmas time, I think. But I, yeah. I I do think that those cheap tablets that come around around Christmas time are going to tip it towards. It's going to be a lot of number spinning too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right. If let's Amazon, move. if Amazon pushed out an Android version of the, yeah, it uh, may happen Kindle, too. Yep. That that would yeah that'll be it. If we if we're counting those, <laughs> that'll oh, that'll yeah. do it. The Amazon apocalypse of 2012. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our long-term prediction. Uh, these are more of the in 100 years sort of predictions. What do you got for us, Aaron? Well, here's where I've got to – I did two um, after we started talking so much about media because my prediction that I was going to use was that media distribution, as we know it, will cease to exist. So it's a little bit broader than what Mary was talking about before. So we can talk about that one, or I can go back to a, an Apple uh, prediction. But um, – it's up to you guys. Which Wait, what's your start. Apple prediction? So the Apple the Apple prediction is then that, we can decide. Yeah. So so here's here's the thing with Apple, right? I think Apple is going to need to reinvent themselves after Steve Jobs, um, because the the ideas are going to start to run out at some point. There's a lot of ideas I think that they have that are in the works that are Steve approved. Mm -hmm. That um, you know, so we'll after whatever happens with Steve, you know, we won't get into that, but. Let's just say whatever happens with Steve, um, he, he's not on the scene for whatever reason. And I think that the ideas that are, are there today will run out. Apple will try to reinvent themselves and they will be unsuccessful. Uh, Mary, I, I, as our guest, would you, would you care to choose, would you care to react to one or the other of these predictions? <laughs> um. We'll give you guest first right, right of first refusal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you want to talk about media some more, or do you want to talk about Apple? I can't. I can't imagine Apple without Steve Jobs. So I, I would maybe tend to agree with this one. 
with the Apple that, one. That's the weird thing, right? Like, like Steve Jobs, people always say, you know, apologists for Apple anyway say, well, it isn't all just Steve Jobs. He's, yes, he's the spearhead. Yes, he's the, the great leader and all that. But in the end, it's, it's now a, a bunch of people that he trusts and has around him and they all know stuff too now. And so they're going to carry on the great legacy uh, of Apple. But sadly, or certainly it's a good thing for them in, in the short term, but a bad thing in the long term, you know, he is, he is Apple in a very real way to a lot of people, whether they intended that to be the case or not, that's what's ha happened. His personality was too strong to keep it contained. We don't ever think of Microsoft and go, oh, without Bill Gates, what are they going to do? Actually, that kind of did happen. But anyway, <laughs> it's, it's, but you know what I mean? You know, you don't look at him as the icon that, that tugs this, this boat. And you, but you do that with Steve Jobs. And so when this kind of conversation comes up, as much as I hate to admit it, I, I think they will struggle for that identity not because they can't do it, but maybe because we won't let them do it easily. I think yeah. it'll be hard for us to let go of the Steve Jobs mythos and move on to whatever the next phase is and be super stoked about that. Instead, we will we'll all be naysayers and, and, and be concerned about their future and, and, you know, pretty much think they're not going to be able to pull it off. And they'll have to struggle to figure out how to do that. You know, they've had plenty of times in their history where they've had to pull it off despite people's uh, you know, people thinking they couldn't, and they've done that successfully. But again, it's because it's Steve Jobs doing it, and now we have that associated with him. So, yeah, without him, I tend to agree with Mary and with Aaron that this, it, that is not going to be a happy day for anybody, stocks included. Apple has an all-star team, and when, when you look at it, Jonathan Ives is why the things look pretty, and Tim, Tim Cook is why they've got all that cash sitting around for them to you know, lock up their supply lines. So you, you know, there's a lot of good things to be said that that team can continue to churn out really good ideas, but Steve is the editor. Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs is the one that comes down and, and is arrogant enough and confident enough to say, no, we're not going to do that. No, this phone's going to be on edge when it comes out, and that's going to be good enough. We're not going to have an app store right away. We're, you know, these, these are the limits we're going to have. And I don't know that those were his decisions, but I do know that he is the one who set, sets the lines in which the others work and do their brilliance. And so somebody has to take over that role, and I think that's the key thing that is questionable, whether they will be able to resist feature creep and putting too many things and, and not being as simple maybe they will but Aaron I think that's what you're hitting on yeah. is without without Steve Jobs there it's not a guarantee that you've got this vision that sets the boundary lines about what's going to be the priority and the focus and that's what he has proven to be brilliant at right and I think that every successful corporation has one of those visionaries that does exactly what you just said they set the boundary points. They said, this is what we're going to focus on, and this is what we're not going to focus on. And people underestimate the value of that. I've learned to appreciate it over the, my years in enterprise IT. You've got to have someone like that. If everyone's just running around, you end up with things. And I think this is part of, as much as I love Google, I think this is part of their problems lately with some of the things that they've tried to release, i.e. Buzz, i.e. Wave, is that there's a lot of little people running around and, and there's no one there to say, you know what, guys, it's great that you're running around doing things, but here's the limit. Here's where, it, here's where we draw the line. Here's what we will go forward with and here's what we will not go forward with. You got to have somebody like that. Um, and I think that's been part of Google's problems too. But I, you know, when I was arguing this point, with myself, um, <laughs> when I was thinking about these things, I always kind of argue back and forth in my head. One of the things that I came up with was, you know, just look at the stock. Every time something happens to, to Steve, uh, God bless him, um, you know, the, the stock just, just dumps. And I, I can't imagine, I think that 
beyond the technological point that we've been discussing, I think it's going to be pretty hard for shareholders to get confidence back after after Steve Jobs' reign is over. And uh, I, I should uh, thank Web four nine nine in the chat room for pointing out that I, I confused Jonathan Ive with Saint Ives <laughs> when I called him Jonathan Ives. He has no S in his last name. Are you Our, sure he doesn't paint pretty pictures? Wasn't there Courier and Ives, right? Wasn't it? <laughs> Curry. Yeah, well, you know, there is some crossover there. He is a yeah. design genius. Right. Maybe his great-great-great-grandfather or something. All right, let's move over to you, Mary. Uh, sort of the flying cars will come in the far, far future sort of prediction. Your long-term prediction, what do you got? Yeah, so I think, um, I think in 100 years, uh, most of the American workforce will be working at home telecommuting. And um, I think that I think that's because, you know, there's so many desk jobs already, but I think desk jobs are going to increase as manufacturing continues to shift away um, from the economy. But I think that um, it's also going to be economic benefits. You know, we all know the benefits of, of telecommuting and working at home. I think those are going to be so great. They're going to um, shift into universities and high schools. I don't know about um, elementary school. I think we're still going to want to get the, the young kids um, out of the house <laughs> and into school. But I think that, so I think we're going to have this culture um, of, of working at home and isolation a little bit. And I think that we're going to have a mental health crisis with young adults. Um, and much of the way now we're having... Um, anti-obesity uh, initiatives and, and just kind of awareness of that, I think that's going to be the big issue then. Um, I think it's going to be a real problem for people, um, younger adults who don't have kids yet, don't have families who are working in isolation. And so we're going to have to um, figure out how to, uh, you know, encourage them to socialize and um, improve their mental health. It's interesting because, I mean, there's a lot of resistance to this idea. We talked about this last week, in fact, about, you know, generally there's resistance toward uh, too much telecommuting. Like there are companies who just still aren't comfortable with the idea. If they, if they aren't constantly overseeing what you're doing, they don't feel like you're getting, uh, you know, they're getting the value for what they're paying you, that sort of thing. So if that does shift and, and companies start to do this more and allow it more, then we'll have this other problem, right? Then Then comes the new side effect, which is, the only connection people have uh, to the outside world is this is this desk job at home. I tend to think that that probably won't be as bad as people think. Um, I mean, I can I can speak from my own experience. When I when I quit full time and started Frog Pants full time, I basically shifted from an office environment with other people to an office environment of me. And occasionally, I'm on camera like this, or I'm talking to other people over Skype, or there's a lot of that going on, a lot of phone calls and stuff. But the work that's getting done, I'm doing in, in pretty strict isolation. And I feel driven to, when I've had a long day of that, get the crap out of here and do something social. Um, so mm -hmm. I think there's a human, there's a basic human need that all of this technology will never quite fill. Even if I had cameras on me all day and I'm constantly having conversations with people via screens, until they can be projected into this chair next to me and we can have that human one-on-one face-to-face -on -one -face kind of interaction... I feel like that stuff will take care of itself because people just don't want to get trapped in that. I know people, you know, we like to make fun of people who are trapped in their basements and are, don't get enough sun, but 
I think most of the time people go and get their own son. Disclaimer, Scott is broadcasting from his basement. <laughs> I totally am. I totally am. But I can't, like after this, I'm going to a meeting. I'm going to a restaurant. I can't wait. It's going to be great to get out. The sun's finally coming out this afternoon. It's been raining all day. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I feel like most people will, will, will respond that way. There'll always be a few, but they're already doing that, I figure. Yeah, I've got to agree with Mary on this one. Although I would probably put it in the midterm uh, category. As opposed to the long term, I think it's going to happen quicker. We got rid of that category, so she had to put it somewhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but only because, uh, you know, I mean, I do this now. I've been doing it since 10, 10 years, almost 10 years. I've been working from home. I work, I've worked for a lot of corporations. Um, and so I think that the reason I think it's going to happen sooner from a corporate standpoint is purely monetarily, monetary reasons. Um, you know, both every time I've been through this where people start uh, uh, letting people work from home and they start selling off a few of their buildings that they don't have to power and that they don't have to cool. And uh, all of a sudden it becomes, wow, let's get more people in this program right away, you know, because it's an, it's an automatic yeah. um, hit on the bottom line. It gives a little bit more cash on the bottom line, a little bit less that they have to pay out every month. I, I thought that Mary had a really interesting idea though, when it comes to education, which is a little bit different than it usually gets uh, talked about. Um, and I'm kind of wondering, I mean, I know a lot of my friends or, or friends of mine that do homeschool now, uh, you know, and they have had, or I have seen at least some kids that do have a little bit of social preclusions. I, I, I don't want to make it sound bad, but, you know, they're just a little bit awkward sometimes. Well, you don't have the natural uh, ability to, to interact with other right. folks if you homeschool, right. which is why a, a lot of homeschoolers that I've talked to have groups yes, so that exactly. the kids are actually getting all of that, that interaction and that socialization. Right. That's what I was just going to say is that a lot of the groups that I know, the people that homeschool have actually gone to, they homeschool uh, three, maybe four days out of the week. And then one day a week, they actually come in and get some of the more advanced, like maybe the sciences or mm -hmm. what have you, where they actually sit in a classroom experience. They actually have a recess <laughs> if they're of the right age, you know, and they actually get the social interaction as well. And I can see, I can see this becoming a, a sort of a mashup situation mm -hmm. where you do a little bit of homeschooling and you do a little bit of what Mary's talking about with distance learning. You kind of right. choose the best of both worlds, get the best classes, best professors. You don't end up sending your, your kid to some awful school because you happen to live in the wrong side of town. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, that could be really beneficial. And if more people are telecommuting, then you don't have as much of a problem with the kids, you know, needing to use school as a babysitter. Right. Uh, because one or more of the parents may be home anyway. Uh, although it's, it's a lot easier to do your job if you're not also watching right. a child too. So, you know, that, I, th I think that's going to have to be worked out yep. as well. But I, I think it's, it, it is an intriguing idea. We've heard people talking about telecommuting uh, rising before Mary, but this is the first time I think anybody's really said it's going to push into educational system. And I think that that has a lot of intriguing possibilities. Yeah, it's, um, it just seems like education, too, is so expensive now. I don't know if it'll make it much cheaper, but um, it's at least with the universities. But just thinking back to, uh, to when I was in college, I went to University of Texas. and um, horns. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and I, I loved it, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, but it would have been possible for, for a lot of that. I guess not the – no, I could do the art classes. I could do the art at home. It would be possible for a lot of that to be through um, through video lectures and and things like that. I wouldn't have had as much fun. I wouldn't have met as many people, though, and that's the problem. And that's why 
that's why I think that, um, you know, we might have more mental health issues with it. Yeah, you can't go to the Texas showdown if you're doing distance learning at the University of Texas. <laughs> no, yeah, that's right. No, but the idea that more people could get education is great. And if it's simpler and cheaper to get, I'm all for that. Because I, I'm of the opinion that we're raising a bunch of dummies right now. So anything we can do. <laughs> I'm sure your kids appreciate that. Well, and that's the thing. We push them pretty hard and they're all getting really good grades. I'm really proud of my oldest daughter. She's pulling a 4.0 and doing great and has scholarships lined up and all this kind of cool stuff. I'm totally stoked about all that. But I just feel generationally speaking, she yeah. has some friends that walk in here and they're, they're like stones. They just aren't, nothing's sinking in. They got no plan. And I realize I'm starting to sound like old man Johnson. What's and, wrong you know, with this younger generation? <laughs> <laughs> but it does feel different. It feels like they're all so Facebooked out and, you know, they're just not paying attention to anything and they just think the whole world is, is different. <laughs> I, I, I do sound like that guy. I realize totally that do. I do. Uh, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. All right, uh, we got crazy-ass predictions coming up. We want to take a break and thank our sponsor, Netflix, delivering movies directly to your home, either by DVD or streaming. Uh, if you want to stream them to your PC or Mac, you can do that with a Netflix account. Or if you have an Xbox 360, PS3, or Nintendo Wii, you've got the ability to watch them on your television right now. They also work with uh, Roku, with uh, Google TV, with a whole different bunch of ways to put it on your television. You can watch TV shows and movies. I just, uh, Jammer B, apparently watched this as well over the weekend, Salt with Angelina Jolie. Was that good? Yeah, it was better than I expected. And I'd heard some pretty good reviews about it. The trailer looked intriguing, but I'm like, eh, action movie. It's probably action movie. But uh, they had some twists and turns in there that I, I didn't see coming, and they kept me guessing. So I, I, I really enjoyed that. It was my wife's idea. She wanted to watch it, and I kind of got dragged into it half-willingly <laughs> and was glad I did. That's uh, but that's kind of the thing, right, Scott, is you, you watch a Netflix movie, you can just you know, take a chance on something because you got unlimited viewing. No, oh, yeah, that's the beauty of it. In fact, we do that with FilmSack all the time, this podcast we do on the Frog Pants Network, and it's a chance for us to say, we've never seen something like uh, Freaked, you know, this movie we just saw, which wasn't very good, I don't recommend it, but it was awesome to be able to kind of Russian roulette, roulette that a little bit, see it, see what we think, talk about it. I cannot think of a time where we would have been able to do that more easy uh, than we can today. I love Netflix for that. Anyway, if you're not already a Netflix subscriber, go try it out. you got a free trial membership coming your way thanks to Twit. Go to Netflix.com slash Twit and uh, get, a, get a look at what's going on there. I think you might like it. We thank Netflix for their support of Twit. One word, MacGyver. Yeah, because yeah. they, they've, they've added the CBS shows now. Exactly. Star Trek's coming, too. Star I don't know Trek's if it's coming. up yet. The original Mission Impossible. I already mentioned the original Twilight Zone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's and by the way, RoboCop totally holds up. Just throwing it out there. Check it out. <laughs> the public good. You must watch Terminator, it. That's right. Terminator's now on instant right now. If you, yeah. You have 15 answer. seconds to comply, Tom. All right. <laughs> Let's hurry up then and move to the crazy-ass predictions. Mary, one really far-out-there forecast. Time frame doesn't even matter. What do you got for us? So I think we're going to figure out immortality. I think it's going to involve um, somehow digitizing our brain and implanting it into... Uh, new clones of our bodies. But the catch is, I think it's going to lead to insane overpopulation. And this is really bleak. <laughs> I think that um, we're going, we won't have the resources to send colonies to space because we're going to have so many people, it's going to happen very fast. Um, so our resources are going to be really taxed with, with feeding all these people and just the whole overall population. So 
So we're going to institute some kind of um, IQ exam because we're going to really um, value people who can contribute to society and figure out these problems. And, um, and we're going to execute the people who uh, <laughs> don't pass the exam. Wow. <laughs> it's the Logan's Run sequel. Yes. All right, you can live past 30, that. but you have to be smart. Soil and green is people. Soil and green is stupid That's people, awesome. apparently. <laughs> so, so what you're, you're, you, you mean, aside, let's forget about the execution <laughs> stuff for a minute, which I'd love. I love that part of this. Um, for us to deal with the social implications of everybody living forever or living really long lives, because there are lots of those implications, we'd have to probably limit childbirth in some way. We'd have to move to the moon more than likely, or something. Something would have to happen for us to be able to handle that sort of thing. You think that only the smartest among us could handle those problems? Well, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm not saying that's what we should do, but I feel like if we're in that society, that um, that's, we're going to have to figure out um, at what people we value. And... Uh, I, I think that I think that a society like that with so many problems, uh, yeah, I think I think they're going to need the really smart people. I think I can save a lot of lives here. <laughs> Corey, Corey Doctorow has a book. Uh, um, oh, uh, the, what's the Disney, the book that uh, Down and Out, in the Down Magic and Out, the Magic Kingdom. And you know how people can just kind of store themselves and go offline. I, so I think instead of executing, it's just mandatory storage. And, you know, you get let out every hundred years or so, see, see if you've learned anything while you've been in virtual reality. Uh, and, and you still have this productivity test that's like, if you can contribute, then we'll, we'll let you be out for longer. How's that? That makes sense. So then, so then when we figure out how to colonize Mars and space stations and everything, then we can let them out. Right. Now, we may, we may have a problem if we store everybody on EC2 in the Virginia data centers. So we're going to have to have good backups, you know, data centers with redundancy, all of that. Well, there was this idea in the the whole, I don't know if you've read the Pandora Star uh, trilogy or whatever it was. I don't care how many books it was. Um, but, but, you know, there was this whole idea in that series about people going, you know, non-physical. So physicality doesn't matter anymore because you live in the ether or whatever. I don't know. But it was, it was an interesting idea that you could actually, you know, kind of what you were saying, but you still physically exist and you're still sentient, but you are not necessarily attached to a body. You're in PlayStation Home, <laughs> exactly. which also goes down. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's interesting because then the smart people actually get dragged into bodies because we need them while right. everybody else gets to float around in the AI dreamland. Right. The smart people and the strong people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, wow. The, the strong people, too. Oh, we have a lot of robots. The uh, the see, the robots can do the heavy lifting. That's true. All right. Great prediction, Mary. Uh, Aaron, uh, over to you for the crazy-ass prediction. In 2,000 years, we'll all be made of cheese or something like that. What's your prediction? So it actually is flying cars. Um, and here's the deal. It's not really flying cars. It's a variation of that, right? So, right. Uh, so gravity, right? So gravity will actually, no, well. we will overcome gravity. 
Um, and it will be obviously the biggest revolution um, uh, out of all the revolutions that we've had. We'll actually, not just flying, but we'll actually, the, the moment that scientists figure out, and maybe it's these quarks that are spinning around the, the Hedron Collider, but somebody will, will eventually find a way to defeat gravity. And when they do, um, all hell breaks loose, right? I mean, all bets are off at that point. So I think if, in terms of, you know, what I think of is actually the really biggest one. I know everyone always comes up with this one, but I do actually think of this a lot. You know, what's the biggest thing that could happen that would change society forever, uh, would be completely wild, wacky, uh, uh, you know, the biggest thing ever to hit? I mean, it would actually, I think it would have to be, um, you know, gravity. We, we find out how to overcome gravity. I mean, think about it. It could be that that's what those black holes are out there. Are people's failed attempt to overcome gravity? Oops! Oops! I can't stop. <laughs> Singularity it. was near. A the little reaction. too near. I can't stop the reaction, and all of a sudden you end up with this, you know, uncontrollable. Wouldn't that be a great uh, movie? Like you know, one of these doomsday movies. Yeah. Uh, I finally figured out really how to quick, overcome gravity, and then it just starts growing and growing. And a tragic comedy. It. Yeah. That, that movie would end in five minutes is the sad part, but um, I like this. <laughs> I wonder if we could if we could just make the technology into our shoes or something. Because the, the benefits of no gravity would be kind of kind of epic. Like there is a lot of space above our heads and before the atmosphere becomes too, too oxygen-less right. that we could build a lot of cool stuff. And if all it took was, I don't know, tubes that I could step into and float, you know, in a straight line up to the next city, uh, that's a place I could totally get into. I could totally live in that place. So it'd be nice if it wasn't just <clears throat> a black hole that would destroy everything. If we could somehow... <laughs> Would talk be. to Adidas or Nike and work that out, that'd be great. Well, not only that, but I mean, there's a lot of, even if it's on a small scale, which I think is probably where it will start. I have no, I have no idea what I'm talking about here. Um, but but, <laughs> but I, I've got to imagine with something like this that it's got to start on a very small scale, right? So it starts with these very, very small particles. But then think of like, you know, it's going to be very expensive, obviously, too, right? No matter what, what it is. But but think of the medical possibilities, you know, the, the, the ability for, for certain operations to take place that can't happen right now because... Uh, just because of the physics of the thing, mm. um, if you could actually free up the gravity and manipulate things in such a way where you don't have to worry about that uh, it, with much more precision, I've got to imagine that things like the medical community would be able to benefit from those very early, uh, 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 you know, when, 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 when this whatever this gravity-defeating technology is first invented, they'll, they'll be one of the first um, segments to be able to take advantage of it, I would think. We've got venture capitalists in the audience ready to give you seed funding now. Right, right. I'm going to go out and find those quarks. <laughs> They're out there. Barry, would you want to live in a world without gravity? No, that sounds scary. But it could, yeah, like Scott said, I think if it could be harnessed, yeah, some kind of transportation system, that would be very useful for sure. I mean, it wouldn't, um, it would be much easier to move things around, right? Am I wrong in that? I mean, you still have to pull it somehow but but you could change the you, weight that makes sense right yeah well they'd really need to warn us right like they'd have to give us some kind of hold onto your furniture gravity stops tonight at 7 p.m and then you <laughs> do know. not remove the tag from this mattress or <laughs> holy it will float away <laughs> so there would we would there would be a lot of uh i mean this would be aaron the paradigm shift you're looking for honestly exactly. this would change everything about everything like everything we do in this life i'm trying to think of something i don't do that doesn't depend on gravity and I can't. It all needs gravity. So, yeah, it changes Thinking. everything. It changes how we exercise. We'll all get super fat and soft. It's going to be bad. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll be weightless. <laughs> we could change our weight. We could dial our weight. Right. Get too fat, dial your weight up. 
Well, and imagine <laughs> the industry that would be created. I mean, that's what always gets me thinking is what, if gravity wasn't an issue, what could I, what could I build? What could I do? What could I, what, what could I accomplish? How would things change? It's, it's something that I do think about um, when, you know, I'm otherwise unoccupied. And localized gravity could be useful. Exactly. If you want to keep something in place, right. you know, and even more stable. Right. All right. I believe that leads us to four questions, Scott. Yeah, four questions. It's our chance to ask you guys rapid fire style. Four questions. You are not allowed to think too hard about your answers. You must answer from the gut. And I'm going to start uh, with you, Mary. Are you ready for your four questions? Sure. All right. You look comfortable, so here we go. <laughs> when girls take over the webcomics for good, who will carry on the grand tradition of infantile misogyny? That is so prevalent um, in comics today. <laughs> um... Uh, cats. <laughs> oh, good. Of Perfect. course. They're going to do Obvious answer, Scott. Things. I don't even know why you asked. I know. I may as well just set it. Uh, which will you prefer in the future? A constant uh, IV drip for our nutritional needs or a bowl of genetically honed goo three times a day? Do I have to eat the goo? Like Yes. You must eat it uh, with your the, mouth. The IV drip. All right. Me too. It would be nice and concealed, too. It'd be, like, strapped to our back and just kind of run up on our arm and stuff. It'd be great. I like pudding. Just don't, just don't punch anybody in it. Be bad. Uh, we all know we will have a robot president one day, but what do you predict its name will be? It may be a he or a she, I suppose. We could assign it gender, but let's assume it's an it. What name would you give our robot president? Uh, Cyberbama? <laughs> <laughs> Love it, love it. All right. Where was this robot built? <laughs> I want to see its manufacturing papers. That's right. Can I get the serial number? Can I get the inspector tag? Um, and then finally, if, if, like Tom suggests every week, we will all be made of cheese one day, what type of cheese would you like to be? Goat cheese. Mm. And why? Why do you like goat cheese? Um, it's weird and different and unique. And it comes it's from a goat. And tasty. Yes. <laughs> nice, nice job. You have successfully answered four questions. You will not be ejected from the call. Congratulations. Yay. <laughs> All right, Aaron, are you sitting comfortably? I am. Good. That's then we course. will begin. Question number one. Once the singularity has produced an immortal Larry Ellison and Google and Microsoft are safely his, what form will our happiness take? Uh, I don't know, but we'll all be red at that point. <laughs> red is the color of Oracle, so... You've experienced this recently? I have, yeah. yes. Question number two. Linux on the desktop as a dominant choice. When? Today. But no, <laughs> when, when do the most, mo most desktops have it? So I think... Because I don't think that is true today. Right. Well, actually, I mean, if you think about Android, right? Android is based on Linux, so I mean, I think, I think we're already there. I think that most people prefer their phones. Well, maybe not yet, actually. I, I'm, I'm basing this off my experience. I would rather check my email on my phone any day than on actually go to a keyboard, a, a desktop, or a, or a laptop. So do we it. never get Linux dominant on a laptop or PC? No. Is it just, it just goes, because we, we don't care about it. We don't things. care anymore. All right. Uh, question number three. If we make first contact, should we share our source code with aliens? Absolutely. Absolutely. Otherwise, the principles still apply. The principle still applies, and Richard Stallman will kill us all if we do not. He will be there for first contact. We, we have to. There's exactly. No, no question. He may be. I don't know. <laughs> uh, when our cryogenically preserved head is awakened in the year 4532 and reattached to a sporting new late model German engineered human body, what will be the first thing you ask for? 
Sex? <laughs> you said the first thing that came into my mind. You've right? got Is a German okay? engineer in human body. <laughs> I mean, come on. Why, why waste it? Right. <laughs> thank you very much. That is your four questions. Thank you, and thank you both. That's the end of our show. Yeah, and a, and a high point to end it on. <laughs> no, we really. This was this was really fun. This was really good. I really appreciate you uh, you both hanging out with us. Uh, Aaron, let folks know a little bit more um, about what you do and where they can find you online. Right. So you can always find me at thesourceshow.org. Uh, which is where I do, uh, I host my video podcast about open source and making things and hacking things. Uh, it's a great place to find me. You can find me on Twitter at slash Aaron Newcomb. You can find me on Facebook at slash Aaron Newcomb, or you can just go to AaronNewcomb.com. You'll find everything there. Excellent. Yep. I highly recommend it. Floss is a great show. And uh, Mary... You can find me on Floss as well, Floss Weekly. <laughs> I didn't mention that. Oh, one, you did didn't I? mention that? I'm on Twitter, no. and I failed to mention the Twit part of That's my That's all right. Uh, I uh, also want to thank you, Mary, for being on the show. Really appreciate uh, meeting you and get to talk to you. It's been fun. Thank you. It was great to be here. Let folks know where they can find your comics and anything else you do online. Yeah, well, my comic is non-player character. I just abbreviate it to NPC, so it's npccomic.com, and it's about a girl and her cats, and they play World of Warcraft. And uh, you, that's 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 where I live. So um, my Twitter is Twitter slash Mary Varn, but... Um, Everything's over at NPC. And uh, the cats have a van recently, I've noticed, and a hoodie. Yes, they've been hacking. Um, <laughs> they're, they're trying to take down uh, lolcat sites because they feel that they humiliate um, cats, and uh, they, don't, they don't like that. They feel that um, their noble species is being um, humiliated. So. I'm, I, am be, I am behind their fight. I, I hope they uh, they remain. I hope they. In fact, I almost wish we had Ben Ha on the show as well <laughs> to, <laughs> to face the questions about what he has done to the image of cats. These things are. I got to say, this is hilarious. If you haven't checked this out, you got to check it. I've been reading it uh, as we've been doing the show here, and this is really funny. So um, I hope everybody checks it out. Well, thank you. Yeah, great stuff, Mary. Thanks again. Scott Johnson, anything uh, we need to take care of before we leave? Well, uh, people should make sure to check out the morning stream on Wednesday mornings. Tom uh, coming on again for another uh, Current Geek segment. I'm totally looking forward to that. Um, other than that, uh, you can follow me at Extra Life. You know, it's like when Mario finds a mushroom and he gets an extra dude. It's like that, Extra Life. Twitter.com slash Extra Life. And they can learn all about everything else I have going on at frogpants.com. Thank you, Tom. Tonight has been a pleasure for me. Absolutely. For me as well. Don't forget to leave comments on our website, forecastpodcast.com, or send us an email to forecastpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time. It's only 32 years away. Wait.